The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston. Legacy Legal Live is a show all about discovering the options available to you and to your family's future in estate planning. Join us every Wednesday at 6 o'clock as Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth answer all your questions and take your calls at 781-834-9639. Please welcome your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Thank you. We are thrilled to be here tonight. We're going to take a quick moment to introduce ourselves and let you guys get to know us. I'm Kendra O'Toole. This is Michelle Reed. And I am Elizabeth Caruso. And we make up Legacy Legal Planning. Our office is in Norwell. We'd love to have you come stop by sometime and visit us and get to know us in person. But until then, we are proud South Shore natives through and through. Collectively, we are wives, loving mamas, doting aunties, cherished sisters, and our roots in this community run deep. It's a place we hold near to our hearts and we're excited to be here. We're thrilled to embark on this journey with you hosting this new show all about estate planning, elder law. We plan to take a nice, fun, engaging approach with our expertise. So please join us tonight and every Wednesday as we talk about wills, trusts, and legacies. And we're bringing this important topic to life in a way that we hope is enjoyable for everyone in our beloved community. We're going to get started tonight. We figured we'd give you a little bit of a topic. Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, give you a nice softball question to get started with estate planning because we know that there's a heck of a lot that people, you don't know what you don't know when it comes to this stuff. So we're going to start with a fun question. And uh, if you listen carefully at the end, we just might have an answer for you. So without further ado, Kendra, why don't you hit us off with a question? Sure. The question tonight is, what are two of the most important lifetime documents to have in place? So, and when we're talking about lifetime documents, those are documents that are going to be in place and in power while you are still alive. Uh, and a lot of people don't really think about estate planning as something that's happening while you're still alive because people think of estates existing after they die. And that's not always the case. Your estate is a, you know, a fluid and functional thing while you're still alive and you need to care for it while you're alive, probably more than you do than after you pass away, because there are laws in place that will, you know, put things together for you after you pass away. But you have the power while you're alive to put your fingerprint on those and make sure that your wishes are honored and that your wishes are followed. Um, one thing that we want to bring about tonight is a few myths about these lifetime documents. And our first myth that we want to discuss, and I'll throw it out to you ladies, Kendra and Michelle, is uh, I'm a married person, which I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need lifetime documents like a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney because I'm married and I have a spouse. Fact or myth? That is a myth. It is very common that people feel that they are married, so they should be able to have access to whether it's bank accounts or pension information, retirement information. But really, if you are married and you do not have some estate planning documents in place, like a power of attorney, you have no right to be able to make those decisions for your spouse. 
can you imagine that? I say all of the benefits we have for married life, cleaning up after each other, yelling at each other, but I can't make a healthcare or financial decision for my spouse. So that's always a fun one for all of us married folks out there. <laughs> and this is something where Massachusetts law actually differs from a lot of states in the country. Um, we have a lot of clients who are snowbirds, as I'm sure you can imagine, because the beautiful day like that is today, those are numbered, guys. <laughs> Winter is, in fact, coming. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our friends are going to be making their trek south to warmer climes soon. And a lot of those states in the south have different laws that allow for family members to make decisions during healthcare emergencies or financial emergencies. And they allow for spouses and they allow for children to make such um, decisions. Massachusetts has taken a hard line on personal liberty and um, decision-making power and doesn't allow for that. Um, either you put it in writing that you are allowing somebody else to make decisions for you, or you're going to end up in court and the court's going to say who can do it. Wonderful. Next myth or fact, let's see which one we think it is, that a power of attorney does not need to give specific powers. You can just say... I appoint this person to make decisions for me. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of discuss what a power of attorney is. First and foremost, a lot of folks don't necessarily know how that differentiates between legacy documents like a will. So Liz, you very poignantly said these documents are valid during our lifetime. So this document allows us to nominate another individual to make a financial decision on our behalf. So it's super important. Um, and what we find in our practice pretty much across the board, and we're seeing it, I would say, a lot more often than we really, frankly, ever have, is financial institutions rejecting these powers of attorney, saying, so, you know, very simple example, potentially, we won't name names here. We love all of our institutions, <laughs> financial institutions, but, you know, potentially a bank. Um, you're going in to, um, you know, withdraw cash or access a safe deposit a box or something along those lines and the folks the lovely helpful folks behind the counter are saying well i don't see this document having that specific clause in here um, so we don't know if you actually have the power to do this so we're going to have to send this up to legal it's going to take you know 14 to 37 days and so on and so forth so what we're seeing is while the document in and of itself should suffice if we're not learning these things as they go and adjusting our documents and putting that specific language in there, some of these financial institutions are potentially rejecting them or making it a little bit more difficult for our loved ones to act on our behalf. So um, I'm going to go with myth overall on that one. <laughs> While technically by law we don't necessarily have to, uh, it's, it's a myth in, in our lovely state in, in that regard. Yeah, and we have our power of attorney at Legacy Legal is super super particular i think it's 28 or 29 pages long because it just, just keeps getting longer <laughs> yeah, it just it grows and grows and grows because we have clients who come to us and say you know i'm at xyz bank or financial institution or you know bond house whatever it is and i can't use this because it doesn't say exactly the type of an account that i'm trying to access um or um you know we've had to put in clauses lately about digital access to you know our digital lives i mean how many uh you know passwords and how many like internet accounts and all of these things do you have like if you're trying to access netflix because it's in your spouse's name and your spouse is incapacitated 
how are you going to cancel it or how are you going to upgrade? I need to watch my show, so that's <laughs> important. It's very important. <laughs> I just did a course yesterday on passwords and people think they can just write them down and leave them for their loved ones and that's just not the case. Um, lots of these terms and agreements with the different companies, whether it's financial or Netflix or anything like that, they have the terms that state that you can actually lose, you, you end up losing access and then the loved ones that are trying to gain access end up spending thousands of dollars trying to g gain access through litigation due to the... and a breach because somebody else tried to use the password or tried to do the two-factor authentication and it's really causing issues. And all of these documents are really fluid. Um, when we meet with a client, we'll, you know, go through, you know, allow them to see like what the powers are that we start off with. If there's something that they're uncomfortable with, we take it out. Um, if there's something that isn't uh, encountered in our document, but it's a part of their life, we can always add it in. Um, I've had clients who have um, had, you know, digital libraries of books that they have written that, you know, they wanted to give their loved ones access to be able to, you know, publish those books or whatever and, and have access to their, I, you know, their iCloud account that held all of it. You know, and that was something that we put specifically into their, um, their power of attorney or, you know, I have other clients who had, you know, really big, you know, photography um, bases where, you know, they had a huge database of photographs that they had taken and wanted to make sure that those were properly cared for if they were ever incapacitated um, and to make sure that, you know, all the, the copyrights and everything are there. So, you know, we, we make sure that these documents cater to our clients' needs and make sure that, you know, they work for you. They're not making anybody uncomfortable. And um, yeah, they, that, you know, no two powers of attorney are likely to be the same. And I think it begs to the question of, you know, who do I work with? How do I know who I'm working with is gonna do right by me? You know, uh, we get a lot of, well, I just downloaded one off the internet. Does that work? In theory, perhaps. But the key here and sort of the, the overarching theme is you want to make sure that you're working with a professional who sees the ins and outs, who works with clients who say, you know, my old power of attorney, my bank wouldn't accept it. Uh, you know, Netflix has given me a bear of a time, <laughs> all of these things. So we've seen it in real, real life. We've seen our clients go through these you know, these roadblocks and we can review our documents regularly and adjust accordingly. So you want professionals who do this day in and day out. And there are so many wonderful professionals in our state. So it's just a matter of, you know, frankly, asking the question, what is, what are your powers of attorney look like? Here's, here are my issues that I've had in the past. And, you know, how do you address that? And making sure that not only do you do them once, and if we say this once, we'll say it a million times. So, you know, you, you, you'll know this theme throughout. All of these documents bear updating and, and consistent updating. Everyone's a little bit different, but as laws change, as life change, as you know, we have technological advances. You know, maybe something better than Netflix comes along. Um, you want to make sure that your your documents are reflecting that as well. And with the part, I mean, we've seen lots of clients, you know, that tried to, as you mentioned, do it on their own, whether it's 
through online or something like that. And unfortunately, these companies try to make it easy for the consumer to take care of. But a lot of times it ends up with either missing powers or we've even seen documents that were written for another state and another other state laws, but they were here in Massachusetts. So it really, they try to make it easy, but it actually becomes, I think, a little too easy that it's easy to have lots of errors in them as well. Okay, so we're keeping with the myth and fact theme, as you can see. We, we love these. Um, so here's another one. My child is still in college. So any of you who have uh, embarking, fresh starting college kids, it's a scary, scary thought. But, or you know, grandkids, even. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so I can still make their decision. They're in college. You know, in, in my eyes, they're still, they're still my baby, my, my, my child, my grandbaby. But we can still speak on their behalf. You know, they're not actually an adult, are they? question. <laughs> I love this one. I'm going to throw it right out there. That's a complete myth. Um, the moment they turn 18, they're considered a legal adult as much as they might be on your health insurance until they're 26 or, you know, you're still providing for them while they're, you're in college. Living in your home <laughs> in the office. Using your Netflix account. <laughs> but they are considered an adult. And I still remember this day. My mom still talks about it with all her friends. When I went off to college, in the orientation, they had the um, parents come to one section and they told them, your children are now adults and unless they sign this release, we cannot give you any information. That release was fine, but it only had to do with the college and not with anything else in their life, such as financial institutions or healthcare decisions. I've had lots of clients say, I tried to make a, an appointment for my son and they wouldn't let me. And that's because he's now an adult. And so it is a big myth. If you have a child or a grandchild in college, it you should put together these documents to ensure that loved ones are able to step in for them for those moments. And this is especially true when we have uh, so many people who are, you know, going to college out of state. Uh, you know, they might be renting an apartment in New York City or in Texas or in California or wherever, you know, they're attending an institution and, you know, they are embarking on adulthood as, you know, fresh new baby adults and maybe want mom and dad to still help them make decisions. Or maybe they run into a problem with a landlord and mom and dad are just more equipped with life knowledge to take up those fights with the landlord to make sure that, you know, everything is done right by their kid. Unless there's a power of attorney in place, no one has the right to speak on their behalf. Unless there's a healthcare proxy in place, no one has the right to make any healthcare decisions or receive any type of healthcare information. And, you know, I've heard horror stories of um, parents who had kids who were injured while they were at school and the school couldn't tell them anything because there was no healthcare proxy in place. You know, they couldn't tell them what hospital they were at. They couldn't tell them what happened. They couldn't tell them that their kid's condition because everything would have been a violation of HIPAA. And it's, you know, it's really important to have these things in place to be able to keep the lines of communication in place with your kids, your kids' college, and, you know, in their, in their life as they're growing into their adulthood. And, and more in particular, too, uh, we, we say, you know, you can certainly cut the check, but you don't get to ask any questions about that check if that's the case. <laughs> Wonderful. The next one is 
I executed a healthcare proxy with a hospital, so that suffices. So this is one of those, it's not a myth, but it's not a fact. This is a really gray area. It's not wrong, it's just not the most right. Um, so when you create a healthcare proxy at your doctor's office or at a hospital or something like that, if it's the Massachusetts standard form healthcare proxy and it's signed by two witnesses who are not related to you and are over the age of 18, it is likely a valid healthcare proxy. However, it may not be the best healthcare proxy that you could have. Um, healthcare proxies drafted by attorneys typically have multiple backup people so that if you have one person who is unavailable, um, they can go on to the next person. Um, if the initial agent has passed away, you don't have to, you know, go and draft brand new documents. You can just go on to the next person. Um, Massachusetts has some interesting laws that maybe we'll take up in another show about um, mental health law and uh, mind-altering prescriptions that unless you specifically state in your healthcare proxy that your agent is allowed to um, give their yay or nay about whether or not you take these medications, uh, then a court has to actually make the decision for you. Um, this might sound really strange and really minute, uh, but we do actually see this a lot in our practice because unfortunately there's a lot of people uh, that we come across who are you know, quite elderly and are suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia and we're helping you know, family members get through this process. And with those diagnoses, you see a lot of people who are prescribed these types of mind-altering medications to be able to, you know, help them through the effects of dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, with, like I said, without that specific power in the healthcare proxy, you're going to have to go to the probate court and get specific authority to be able to actually, you know, give permission to your mom to be able to take these drugs or dad or whatever loved one it is. So it's important that um, your healthcare proxies are extraordinarily thorough. I've also found many times when somebody has a healthcare proxy that they did with the hospital or maybe with their primary care, it's oftentimes that when they need it, that healthcare proxy is actually kind of missing Oof, and <laughs> it's gone no one has it <laughs> um and what proxy? right as much as the hospital says oh we'll copy it and put it in your file a lot of times it's emergency situation and you just don't have it on hand and no matter how many times you give it to the hospital they don't seem to have it on file either when it's the time that you actually need it um so yeah it's really for those that it's typically an acute situation right um you know you they're actually not they're getting actually wonderfully better at, at having these discussions ahead of time you know do you have this type of document so it's it's a really nice thing that we're seeing that they're actually bringing it up more and more and more but what we often find is there's an urgent situation you know you realize you have to have surgery now next week and it's sort of a rush thing we get they get the healthcare proxy on file but then in the hustle and bustle of things, preparing for upcoming surgery, nobody has the original document, nobody can find it, and then potentially we're chatting with an adult child uh, who's saying, I know I know we executed, or a spouse, I know we did it, 
we can't find it. You know, there was a lot going on at the time. So oftentimes after the fact, while the document would be valid if, if it were surfaced, we find that we end up having to, to do them over again. Um, and Liz, I wanted to, you brought up the fact, it, you know, we kind of slid over it because you had so many wonderful things to say, but I wanted to touch base on one thing. Why do we, um, why do we tell clients that having backups to, to your agent is important and, and you know, why is that something that we've seen in, in our business uh, more and more so? Why is that relevant? Um, so it's really important to have backups for a variety of reasons. Um, I would say probably the number one reason is so that, you know, a lot of times we see married couples come in together. And when one spouse passes away, we don't want to be the first people that you call. Like we want you to, you know, spend time with family, have the funeral services, decompress and, you know, grieve properly and not have to worry that your estate planning documents aren't valid anymore because, you know, you may not have a power of attorney anymore. You may not have a healthcare proxy anymore because you named your spouse. When we sit down with our clients, you know, and I, I know I do this with my clients, I'm telling telling them put multiple backups mm -hmm. because that way you know that you're still covered even if you know on a worst case scenario where your spouse passes away or if you're choosing children you know if something happens to your child that you know you have other people there who can step in and make decisions for you and you don't have to run to my office to redo your healthcare proxy or you know you're not going to find out that you don't have a valid document and all of a sudden you're at the probate court hoping that they'll take you in an emergency situation because, you know, an emergency has come up again. So, yes, that that is why we like to have Absolutely. backup people. <laughs> and Kendra, this begs a question because I know you've seen this, too. And so now, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to put a plethora of questions now, but I think it's relevant to, to stay on that topic. Uh, we often get the question, and I know you've, you've had it recently, um, who's best to serve? You know, I've got three children. How do I decide or who do I pick in what order? So talk about some of the things that you've seen that people struggle with or, you know, what, what we are typically recommending of, of kind of how to narrow it down, who goes where, you know, do we name the kids at the same time? All of those questions that we see so often. Absolutely. So in regard to naming people at the same time, it's definitely one at a time. We do not name multiple people to act together to make this decision because if they're in a disagreement, they are having a one-way ticket to court. The hospital and the doctor, <laughs> right, they will not deal with it and you'll be going right to court to, to deal with that. So it's always one at a time to make those decisions. When it comes down to who are the best people to make those decisions, it really is somebody that's going to honor your wishes. If you do not want to be on life support, if you are ever in the position, if the doctor said they, they have no you know, potential real life to happen depending on what occurred, if you don't want to be on life support, then you need somebody that can make that decision. I had a client that he was naming his daughter and he, we were talking about, you know, what are your wishes? And he said, I don't want to be put on life support. If it's my time, it's my time and that's it. And I said, okay, can your daughter do that for you? And he looked at me and he said, absolutely not. She'll keep me on that machine forever. And so then we had to rehash re out who would be the best person. And he ended up putting in a good friend. You know, it doesn't have to be family that are the ones to step in and make these decisions for you. A friend or, you know, another a sibling, loved one. It doesn't have to be 
your family. It doesn't have to be your children. doesn't have to be your, even your spouse. I have some people that their spouse are not in a good position to make those decisions or they just know, again, they wouldn't make the decision they want. So it's really important that you know it's somebody that's going to honor your wishes of what you want if you are ever in that situation. That's a great point because I think that there's a lot of, we, we always say, listen, this is your legacy, right? These are your documents. These are your wishes. But I think it's very natural that people feel, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know? I want to name my oldest child or I don't want so-and-so to be left out. Why can't I name all three of them? But it's our job to counsel and say, well, here's why. So your points are, are, are so, so valid in that regard. Um, and I, I love that you also mentioned it doesn't have to be your spouse. We get some jokes at our table. We do a lot <laughs> of laughing in our conference room uh, and we, we get the jokes in that regard. But to, to your point, and it's, it's an excellent one, um, there's, there's no right or wrong answer so long as you know it's someone who's capable, you know, over 18, uh, capable of honoring your wishes and able to do it uh, in the moment. And if you are planning with your spouse, your documents don't have to match. The person that's the best person to make healthcare decisions for you might not be the same person for your spouse. It's not just because you're coming in to do planning together doesn't mean you need to have exactly identical documents. And so you really need to think about who's best for you. And I always have the conversation with my clients as to who in your life, you know, walks these walks every day. Like, do yeah. you have a nurse in your life? Do you have a kid who's a physician's assistant? You know, do you have a doctor or somebody just works in healthcare? Well, they might make a great healthcare proxy because they know the terms and that are coming from the doctors. And, you know, they see the healthcare proxies in action every single day and know how important it is to have, you know, wishes honored at the end of life. The flip side of that is, do you, you know, when you're picking a power of attorney, do you have people in your life who are necessarily uh, good at, you know, making financial decisions or managing money? You know, do you have an accountant or, you know, a financial advisor or a banker who is in your life? Those are good people to have as, you know, power of attorney. Absolutely. Well, if you can believe it, we've hit our first commercial break of our very first show. We'll be back shortly. <laughs> are you mourning the loss of a loved one due to substance use? SADOD.org, Support After a Death by Overdose, is hosting its annual Finding Connections in Grief Conference, Friday, October 20th through Sunday, October 22nd at the Sheraton Framingham Hotel and Conference Center. Join people who are bereaved as they come together to find courage, hope, healing, and community. The Finding Connections in Grief Conference, Friday, October 20th through Sunday, October 22nd at the Sheraton Framingham Hotel and Conference Center. Reserve your spot right now. SADOD.org. That's SADOD.org. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. 
Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard. Aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association and this station. I got something to ask you. Would you buy a car without taking it for a test drive? Would you buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first? So why would you buy a vacuum cleaner without doing either? You should try it before you buy it. So we got a special deal. And I want you to write this number down. 508-746-0721. 508 746-0721. We have this eight-pound vacuum that is so powerful that you've got to be careful when you go on the edges of scattered rugs and stuff like that because it'll suck them right in. And this machine is fabulous. It's eight pounds, lightweight, easy to use, high-speed brush roller, goes right down deep into the carpet. And it's got an ergonomic handle. It's got everything you need to make life so much easier. And if you take it right now, you get a small compact canister that has great suction, great to clean your car with, great to clean above the the floor, great to clean along the super edges that are hard to reach at spots, full attachment kit. You get both of them for just $1.99. So you buy it, you take it home, you test it out. If you don't like it, you send it back. If you love it, you keep it. Very simple. If you don't love it, you don't keep it. Again, that phone number is 508-746-0721. Call right now, and that's the deal. Get two for the price of one at $1.99. You won't beat that deal anywhere. Welcome back to 1510 WMEX Legacy Legal Live in our debut episode. Whoop, whoop. I know, right? Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth all here with us this evening, and this is wonderful. Ladies, I just wanted to ask you on behalf of all of our listeners out there in WMEX land, uh, if we could kind of just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Tell us uh, a little bit about how you ended up in this industry and why you're so motivated to see that everybody is so well taken care of. And uh, Miss Kendra, we'd be happy to start with you. We'll just move from right to left across the radio. Wonderful. Thank you. So I'm Kendra O'Toole. I've been practicing for 13 years. We are just about getting to nine years of legacy legal planning. And I got into, I wanted to go to law school to be a prosecutor. That was kind of what I first thought. But then while I was in law school, um, my dad got sick. And just seeing, you know, what we went through as a family and sitting in estate planning classes and learning about the peace of mind that it gives to families when they plan. Luckily, my parents did plan. And so they were covered and we were able to go through that grieving process accordingly without having to worry about the back end of probate court and and dealing with the finances in that regard and the healthcare decisions during that time frame. But it's allowed me to realize that I really wanted to make a difference in the community and help others really have peace of mind and have their loved ones feel comfortable in being able to make decisions if they weren't able to make their own. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Well, welcome on and thank you for being here. And Miss Michelle, you're up next. Absolutely. I am Michelle Reed. I grew up on the South Shore. I'm a wife and a mom, and uh, I got into this for the exact opposite reasons. I actually had no interest in being in court and litigation. Um, I followed in the footsteps of my father, who uh, practiced in the courtroom all day, and I knew that wasn't quite where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be where people, you know, similar to Kendra, I didn't want to be where people were arguing and fighting and, and you know, big, big stakes in that regard. I went to law school. I've been a lifelong learner uh, and fell in love with my wills and trusts class and my elder law class and realized that there was a real opportunity to get folks while they're still smiling and keep it that way. So a big part of what we do is preserving the 
the good feelings and the family values and, and keeping that going and keeping family out of court in that regard. So that is why we do what we do. And a large thing that uh, I love is the education piece. I always joke, I'm very long-winded, as you'll probably know over these few next few weeks, uh, but I really, really love the education piece. I love when I can tell a client, okay, here's the document that we need, but here's why you need it. I love when they walk out saying, I feel so much better and I understand why I need this plan and why this is going to work for my family. So I am thrilled to be here. That's awesome. Michelle... Welcome aboard. And last but certainly not least, Miss Elizabeth, a little bit about yourself, please. Hello. So I am Elizabeth Caruso. I am also a native of the South Shore, although I have moved west. <laughs> and I now live along the world of 95 near the where the Patriots play. Um, I am also a wife. I am also a mom, but I am the resident Disney psycho in the group. <laughs> so you'll probably hear uh, Disney references drop throughout most of our shows because uh, I'm either always there or always talking about Disney as a Disney adult. Um, so uh, I got into this estate planning elder law world um, kind of by accident. I went to law school because I was like, I'm going to make a ton of money and I'm going to be a corporate lawyer because that's what people do on TV. And then it was 2008 and the stock market in the world crashed and there were no more corporate law jobs. <laughs> so I remember sitting on my couch being like, so I can cut my losses and stop going to law school or I can kind of take a new route. And that was during my second year when you start taking more specific courses like trusts or estates or taxes and things like that. And I was in a couple of those classes and they just kind of started to click. And I realized that like I was really good at the problem solving aspect of the estate planning and figuring out, um, you know, new ways for people to be able to make, you know, what they want work. I always tell my clients, you know, I can do just about anything you want me to do as long as it's legal. You know, we can't send money to Mexican drag cartels, <laughs> but <laughs> but I can make your, you know, really, uh, really minute details in your distribution plan. I can make it work. You know, you got a crazy idea. We'll make it work. <laughs> Welcome to WMEX. This is going to work out perfectly. <laughs> Well, ladies, it is wonderful to have all three of you in-house, and I know Wednesdays are never going to be the same here on WMEX, so it's a pleasure to be able to have you here. And finally, we have a source of answers for all these questions, and I'm sure that our listeners are going to be bombarding us with plenty of those questions. And again, folks, as always, you can always reach out live here on the show, 781-834-9639, the usual regular old studio number. You can also email your questions. If you'd like to stay a little bit more anonymous at WMEXBoston at gmail.com. And ladies, I'm sure there's some email information or a website you'd like folks to go check out in the process. Yeah, absolutely. You might want to know where you can find us and ask us questions outside of our Wednesday night uh, live show here. So our email is admin at LegacyLegalPlanning.com. Definitely check out our website, LegacyLegalPlanning.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram um, so and LinkedIn, so you can find us there at Legacy Legal Planning. And we are going to get back into some of these myths or facts. Let's so, roll. 
We've been talking about these lifetime documents, and we've been focusing on the documents called Healthcare Proxies and Powers of Attorney, if you've been following along so far. But if you're just tuning in, this is where we are. We're doing a little bit of myth busting, so um, keep you on your toes, myth and fact here. So, Kendra, take it away. All right. So I don't want to put together a healthcare proxy because I want to make my own decisions and I don't want to put that into somebody else and have it in their hands of when they can step in and make those decisions. So I only, I want to be sure that they can't trump what I want. So this is a myth as to, you know, I don't need a healthcare proxy because I can make my own decisions right now. Well, that's great until you can't. Uh, And if you have a crystal ball, I would love to meet with you and I will do a joint venture and we can tell people when they're going to need to have these healthcare proxies. We're really going to tell people as we get into uh, future shows when we talk about long-term care planning, I want that crystal ball for the five-year look back period, which we can talk about in other shows because we're going to make a fortune. Now, if you don't have said crystal ball, it's probably a good idea to have a healthcare proxy in place because doctors turn them on and off like a light switch. Your healthcare proxy is not activated and nobody can make a decision for you until a doctor has declared you to be incapacitated. That incapacity can be temporary or permanent. Um, temporary incapacity, things like, you know, I'm going in for surgery. I'm going to be under the knife for six hours. If something happens during that six hour surgery, the healthcare proxy says who gets to make the decisions during that time. Once I wake up, it's flipped off like the light and I'm back to making the decisions for myself. Um, do you find ladies that this is a, a, a difficult concept for people to grasp? I think with a lot of our clients, we see that fear, right? To Kendra's point, there's a fear of if I if I put down on paper a person who can make a decision for me, then I'm I'm giving something up. But I think you illustrated it beautifully. No one's making any decisions. No one's calling the doctor and ordering tests if you're sitting right there. So I, I think that you know we're 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 having these discussions and just we we do a lot of we give people peace of mind with with those sorts of things. I was going to say, Michelle, just like you mentioned earlier, it's really about the education. So once we've educated our clients on exactly how this healthcare proxy works and what it would do for them and in what situations it would come into play, I do feel and find that all of our clients go forth with this healthcare proxy because they now feel that they've been educated and they're empowered to make the best decision for themselves. And it's these really cannot be miss I, I don't want to say they can't be misused because then we're going to find the situation where they were misused and there was litigation but you know doctors don't declare somebody incapacitated lightly and they don't turn on healthcare proxies lightly because they want to be able to talk to you as a person and have you have as much autonomy over your own health care as possible the flip side of that is the second that they're not talking to you HIPAA comes into play and HIPAA is a huge uh, law that, um, you know, a lot of doctors and hospitals and, you know, people in the medical world are afraid of violating on a daily basis. And if you are not truly incapacitated and they start taking direction from somebody else, guess what? That's a violation of HIPAA and they are going to do everything possible not to do that. 
and kind of going along the lines with HIPAA, we're not getting too much into that today, but we also like to do a HIPAA authorization with our healthcare proxy because we mentioned that we name the one at a time person that would step in and make those healthcare decisions. But we also understand real life. If you have a spouse and three kids and you're just naming your spouse or maybe you're naming one of your kids as that healthcare agent, most people and families want their whole family to at least be informed of what's going on. So that's a way to have the HIPAA authorization is a way to allow other people to be informed, but only one person is making that key decision if you are not able to make that decision for yourself. So another topic that we talk about quite a bit, here's, here's another myth, myth or fact. So in this scenario, um, you know, my mom's passed, but I was labeled as her power of attorney in the power of attorney, a power of attorney document. I can still access her accounts, right? She named me. I'm the person. For a lack of better terms, that power of attorney passes when that person passes. It is a lifetime document only. It is only able to be used when that person's living. So this is a big myth. That is where, and again, we'll be talking about on some of our future shows, some wills or trusts, depending on the type of planning, come into play. But that power of attorney is no longer active when somebody has passed away. Yeah, and we, this is a question that we do get a lot. Um, I um, often have clients who will call and say, you know, I was listed as POA on mom's bank account. You know, I can still pay bills. I can still do X, Y, Z. I can pay the funeral home and things like that. And you really can't, um, or at least you're not supposed to be able to. <laughs> I won't say that, you know, the your bank won't be, won't catch up real quick or something like that. Or, you know, there might be some online banking things that you can do, but you're not supposed to be able to once the, um, once the person who gave the power has passed away. And I think that leads us to um, another question that we receive a lot is, you know, if I create these documents, are they permanent? You know, do I have the ability to amend them? How do I, how do I change them? If I've changed my mind, if, you know, my spouse has passed away and I want to create a new fresh document, um, if my child has moved away, I want to name somebody else, you know, how do I go about amending my healthcare proxy or power of attorney? Yeah, to, to make it sound pretty cliche, but it's a good way to visualize it. We've talked and said that these are living documents. So like living things, they need to be nurtured and checked on. So with all estate planning documents, but very much in particular, these living documents, your powers of attorney, your healthcare proxy, we should be looking at them regularly. I would say, you know, we, we, we have a theory where we've sort of got life events, right? Something happens in your life, something happens in someone's life that you've named to step in for you. You want to check in with your documents and say, okay, does, is this still relevant? Do these people still serve in the capacity that I want them to? Does that make sense? Yes or no. 
and then update accordingly. These documents can be updated. You know, we joke, we have some people who come in once every few months and update, given, you know, family strife and someone's bothering you this weekend. Well, you know, they're not my power of attorney anymore. You're but, out of the will. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, you know, very real, really, you want to make sure that you're checking in on these documents every at least three to five years. And to that point, some financial institutions get a little hinky if your documents are a little old. While they don't expire, you want to make sure that you're looking at it for current law, making sure the person that you're naming can still serve in that capacity. Are they still the right person to serve for you? Um, and also sometimes a fresh date is is appropriate. If, if a banking institution is looking at a power of attorney that's 15 years old, they might be looking at you, looking at your agent, saying, mm, does, does this still work here? So without a doubt, one of the biggest things that we talk to our clients about is keeping your documents fresh, nurturing these living documents and updating regularly. Wonderful. I, another question that goes along with that and is what to do if your power of attorney is not honored at a bank. Like you said, if it's if it's 20 years old and mom is now maybe incapacitated and mom is not able to make those decisions anymore, not able to update her power of attorney, then what do we do then? Um, well, if you are our client of Legacy Legal Planning, um, we have a lovely form letter that threatens to sue a lot of people. If We're they're... nice, but you know, we, 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 can, we can dig in the claws if we need to. <laughs> We're going to tell the attorney general. We're going to tell the governor. We're going to tell anybody who will listen that this financial institution, because it's, and we're picking on them because it's usually them, but um, this, you know, XYZ will not accept the power of attorney. Um, I understand where the people who will not accept the power of attorney are coming from, because in today's day and age, oh, yeah. there's a whole lot of fraud. And, you know, there's so many scams. You know, the Prince of Nigeria wants your 401k. And the queen of the remote island, you know, wants to send you gift cards as long as you give them $100 in your bank account. But, um, you know, your daughter also wants to pay your bills while you're in rehab because you broke your hip. And lo and behold, she can't do that because XYZ financial institution won't work with her. Um, typically, if we discuss with bank management or financial institution management, the purpose behind the transaction, we can usually get through to someone there. And I say usually because sometimes we do run into a stone wall and there's absolutely nothing that they will do without a court order, which is really unfortunate. And then we have to go and try to get that court order if this transaction is truly necessary. But um, as long as the power of attorney is written to allow this you know, the person you have chosen under Massachusetts law to specific, you know, yeah, specifically actually, you know, create the transaction or do whatever needs to be done, that should be honored. And, you know, the there really are divisions of the government who will enforce this if we have to. <laughs> I don't like pulling out that letter, but I will. And Liz will. Liz, Liz. She said the G word. <laughs> I think, you know, the crux of it is we have all these tools at our disposal. We can be 
feisty when we need to be, right? But the whole goal here is to make sure that these documents are done in a way with the expertise, with your own education behind it, to make sure that they're really honoring your wishes and will be honored by the institutions. To your point, they don't want to turn away. You know, they're, they're their client too. You know, they might see you every Friday making your deposits at the bank, but sometimes their hands are tied based on what their internal rules and regulations are. And as much as they want to help you, their hands are tied. And that's when we can come in and, and uh, you know, point our fingers and stomp our feet if we need to. But to, to, to that extent, it, it does help to work with, you know, some local institutions too. We are big fans of, of our community here, our local. But uh, if that's not the case, you want to make sure that you have a team behind you that can, you know, pull out the claws if we need to. <laughs> And one thing I think I see often that goes along with this, um, and I think you've probably seen it a lot with your clients as well, is sometimes people try to go the easy way out in planning, for lack of better terms, of just adding a joint owner onto an Ah. account. And that is the last thing (laughs) that you want to do. Of course, if you're a spouse. But it's so easy (laughs) to do that. That money becomes that person that you're putting on that account as well. So if you pass away, you know, that money is theirs or it will just cause lots of litigation with your family. Um, And also it opens the doors to their lawsuits, their creditors, their divorce. And so there's much better ways such as a power of attorney and other avenues that we'll talk about in the future to ensure that people can step in and have access to your account without just being a joint owner. Have you had any situations where you've had some clients have some issues with siblings or just somebody on the account? <laughs> so um, I think what Kendra is getting at is as this show progresses, you're going to learn that I'm the person who has the complicated clients <laughs> and that I am the one who's cleaning up messes. Um, so, yes, I have. I mean, there's a there's a concept Um, that when you add somebody's name to a bank account, that it's done either for convenience to just be able to help out with bill paying, or it's done purposefully so that that account is now a joint account. And when you have families that don't get along and family strife and even small amounts of money, when someone passes away and you've got a couple of kids and one of the kids finds out that their sibling was on mom's bank account and all of a sudden it's now their siblings bank account because they're a joint owner that can cause some problems that can, that can be a way that you end up in probate court. Um, you want to avoid going to probate court really at all costs at all times in your life. You don't want to do it with power of attorney and healthcare proxy. You don't want to do it with your family after you've passed away. Um, I tell people all the time, my flat fee for doing an estate plan is less than what I'm going to ask for a retainer when your family's fighting and I'm going to the probate court. So, you know, get it done the right way so that not, you know, you're keeping everybody in check afterwards. I think that's a big thing that you just touched on is the fact that I think everyone thinks of probate court of when you pass away. And we touched on it a lot today, but, you know, just to be a little more clear with it, if you don't have a healthcare proxy or a power of attorney in place, It is a one-way ticket to the probate court for your loved ones if you're not able to make those decisions. And so the probate court is not just when you pass away. It does come into play in life, which I think a lot of people don't quite realize that it's the 
same thing or it can be as complicated um, and it is even more expensive to go through that process because in Massachusetts, there's two different processes for our lifetime court processes. Um, finances is conservatorship. Healthcare is guardianship. So your your loved ones don't get away with just filing one court case. They now need to file two if yeah, you don't they get have the these double in place. whammy. <laughs> <laughs> and they also have to account every single year if there's a conservatorship and there's financial management to the court as to what they're doing with that money. There's a filing fee involved with that account every single year. And there's an attorney who is a third party who is appointed by the court who is hired by you who gets to look through that account every single year and make sure that you're doing things on the up and up. And this just keeps adding up fees and aggravation and paperwork that all could have been avoided by having a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney in place to begin with. And nobody wants more attorneys involved. And end of story. <laughs> but we're so nice. <laughs> well, I tell you, that's a... That's quite an intro, and I think you said it best. We all want someone feisty in the education department of our lives, so that is always a great place to start. And, you know, with the, the last five minutes of the show here, I think once again, uh, if we could just kind of touch back around, we get a, a question to answer in layman's terms, but also if we could give that contact information for each of you ladies out once again, just so folks know exactly how and where they can reach out to you when they want to start that journey of estate planning together. Absolutely. So our contact information, we are Legacy Legal Planning. We're right here in Norwell. We'd love you to stop by and see us. Our email is admin at LegacyLegalPlanning.com. Website, LegacyLegalPlanning.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the social media. We would love to have you drop a comment and um, leave us some questions there, too. And definitely check out our social because we like to have fun. We like to... Uh, I've noticed. We like to give a good laugh every now and then. I have no shame whatsoever. So if there is a trend, I will do it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, uh, of course, uh, if folks outside of the Norwell area listening up in the North Shore or Western Mass or wherever they may be, uh, they can call you. They can email you just the same. There's no geographic yeah, the limitation beauty of us here. Is we're, we, we have the technology is, is wonderful when it works. We can meet over Zoom. We can serve the entire state of Massachusetts. Excellent. That's excellent. And so today we started with the question of what are the two most important life documents. And if you're, roll, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if you're just tuning in or, or haven't not sure yet, it is the healthcare proxy and power of attorney. So those two lifetime documents just ensure that loved ones can step in. And be sure to tune in next week where we'll be talking about wills. You've been listening to Legacy Legal Live here on 1510 WMEX, the debut episode in the books. I think that's pretty awesome. All right. <laughs>